revolution. morning. Wednesday morning has rolled around again and Animal Central is back to teach you about all things to do with your dogs, cats, conservation, everything to do with our wonderful creatures of the planet. Hi, Jono. Are you, you all back and ready to rock yes. again this you know, morning? Yes. Wednesdays are always my favorite yes. day of the week because we get to do this. It's not only hump day. Not yeah, I know, day. I know. Happy hump day. Yes, happy, happy hump, hump day. day. It's been an interesting week mm-hmm. so far. Um, I mean, I had an interesting weekend. I actually went along to, you know, we had Arno Nordea in last yeah, week. The Reptile The Expo. Reptile Expo. Expo went along there, had a look around. I, I was impressed. Uh, the previous one, as I mentioned to him, I, I kind of took a little bit of, not a fair, but was concerned about some of the venomous snakes on sale and, and things like chinchillas and... Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I just don't believe that these animals should be. But you say this time around, it, it wasn't like well, that at I all. Well, I found it very educational. Mm-hmm. This is why I go to these things because I think knowledge—you've got to know what yeah. you're dealing with. So went along, and yes, it it was much. It was very well run, uh, very well run, very very educational. Um, look, you know, I think people are always going to keep reptiles, and the trick is to stop. People going into pet stores and buying these reptiles and not knowing what to do with them, uh, and not to take these animals out of the wild. That's that's the other thing that I have, you know, I really don't agree with. But it was very educational. It was more for the hobbyist, the mm-hmm. person who specialises in in keeping reptiles and look after them very well. There were also a couple of rescue organisations there. Uh, in fact, the Bearded Dragon Rescue uh, Organisation. We're going to definitely have them in. Because what they do is they take these poor little bearded dragons that people buy for their kids, cannot look after them, and where do they go from there? Yeah. So I know Ban Animal Trading was there. They did yeah, they demonstrate. Were on they the were Monday. Pro- hey, uh, was no, this was on the Sunday. Okay. They did protest. Mm-hmm. But I think from their side, you know, they're also trying to educate people. It's a difficult one. It's mm-hmm. it's a difficult one because you're going to have these co- collectors. Uh, my own son is is wanting to get more involved in reptile rescue. So, I mean, he's got a few now that, that, I mean, the one guy that joined us last week had been abused. Where does it go? It was handed in at a pet store. We now have him and, and he's taken care of him. So that's why I was there. And, and I think, you know, education is key. Well, speaking of expos, uh, we got the Wodak Expo coming yes, up. Yes, uh, yes, we had Brian in last week. Mm, the twentieth one, and mm. it's the biggest expo in Africa. Yeah. So I think it's taking place on the twelfth and thirteenth of July. Uh, 17, 18, 19th of July. 17, 18, Looking 19. so forward to it. Can't wait. And of course, you're going to have your canine zone. Canine stand zone there. stand will mm-hmm. be there definitely. We're also involved in the canine zone complete pet celebrity dog challenge. Yes, Casper de Fris. Casper de Fris, and hopefully, I don't see him in the studio today, but hopefully, Damon Calvari as well. Okay. Um, I'm sure he's in. Yes, and we've got a couple of other really great celebrities, all for a good cause. It's to raise funds for the shelters that will be at the show. Awesome. But then you also found something very sad about pit bulls. Well, apparently a man in Denmark, this story was sent to me mm. by a friend of mine. You know, people are concerned about this yes. type of thing. A Denmark man um, has ended his own life. He mm. took an overdose of prescription medication. He was 27 years old. His name was Dan. Mm. Uh, he committed suicide after his pet pit bull was forced to be put down because it was on a list of banned yes, breeds yes. in Denmark. Yeah. So. That is so sad. Uh, I think quite a few countries are, are doing that. Um, mm-hmm. That, yes, they banned and they're not allowed, which I find very unfair. You know what I say is blame the owners, not the breed. A pit bull needs very specific, and we'll speak to our, our guest, one of our mm-hmm. guests just now. You know, it's got to have the right owner. Yeah. This is what I keep saying is people don't do their homework. Okay. They will go out and they will get a border collie and expect it to stay in a backyard. Not going to work. They will get a pit bull. Don't socialize it. Again, it's a guard dog locked 
in you the garden. You have to remember when you have a yeah. working dog, yes, it needs to it be needs worked. To work. okay? It needs to work. And what we'll hear, I mean, today, let's just throw forward to today, we have an animal behaviorist yes, with us. Yes, we do. We've got Shannon McKay with mm-hmm. us. Shannon is the from, from the McKayne Training Center, and she also does mm-hmm. the Super Pup Trainer Program. Thanks for being with us today, Shannon. Thanks for having me. In fact, maybe you want to jump in here quickly um, when we talk about that, the, the banning of pit bulls. Do yeah. a lot of countries do that? Um, it's, it's sadly, it is becoming more and more common um, in many countries across the world. And, yeah, you know, it's something... I think to to tar an entire breed with the same brush is is unfair. Absolutely. But, uh, you know, it's important to consider that a pit bull is a very, very – it's it's not an easy low-maintenance breed. Right. It's a kind of dog that, as you were so rightly saying, really needs a very specific kind of owner in order for the dog – you know, we can't can't ignore the fact that the dog has been bred for so many generations to behave in a particular manner. Right. You're not going to undo that overnight. No. So you need an owner who's very switched on, very aware, and – Always, always on top of the dog, just in terms of knowing what to expect and if a worst case scenario arises, hard to deal with it. Hard to deal with it. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I've got one myself and, and you do need to work with them. Yeah. It, it's not like a little pug that, you know, you can put on a pillow in the corner and, and that's it. People need to do their homework and I just, Look, I hope that never is something that comes up in this country. Otherwise, I'll be hiding in the mountain with yeah. my boy somewhere. Well, maybe with this tragic story, people will have a spotlight on this, will mm. realize that it, is, it isn't about the breed of the dog. It's about how you raise it. Correct. And what we always hear when behaviors speak is it's so much more about training the human. Than yeah. it is about training the dog. Yes. Absolutely, and and you know people sometimes also have uh, unrealistic expectations of training. You know, someone will get a pit bull for whatever reason, and they'll bring it to training because they think that with training the dog can end up being socialized entirely and behaving like a golden retriever. And um, there's there's a funny little analogy I use for them, and it's it's kind of like it's taking it's like taking a Ferrari to a mechanic. And asking them to turn it into a Fortuna. Right. <laughs> okay. Right. The mechanic, the trainer in this situation can make some modifications, but it's always going to be a Ferrari. Yes. It's a good analogy. Um, yeah. Well, good. and that's pretty much what it boils down to. You know, training can have a big effect, but it doesn't undo things at a cellular level. Mm. Um, and, and it's, it's so important that people, like I said, they've always got to remember what they've got mm-hmm. yes. and avoid potential trigger situations and things like that and not expect the animal to do something which it's actually incapable of doing. I, I get really upset when I see people putting dogs, say, for example, like your, your high-energy terrier breeds into situations that are really difficult for the dog to cope. And, I, it's and almost then wonder like, why it reacts. Well, it exactly. Does, you yeah. know, I think to myself, why are they setting this poor animal up for failure? Mm-hmm. You know, yes. I had... Um, Sadly, I lost her last year, an Australian cattle dog, and they're not renowned for their sociability towards other dogs. And I knew this about the breed. I knew this about her. I did all of the socializing with her, and she was fine with other dogs, provided they stayed in their space. I knew that was her limitation. I respected and appreciated that. So whenever there was a situation where other dogs were going to get into her space, I actually taught her a signal that she could give to me to say, not comfortable, let's get out of here. And, you know, this is so important. We need to respect and appreciate the individual animal Mm -hmm. and their limitations. Well, um, we also have another guest in studio, our resident veterinarian. Yes, Dr. Clint Dr. Austin. Clint Austin yeah, thanks for Hi coming guys, back nice in to today. Now you just got off a flight from where the, the USA? From the US, from Kansas, yes. So you're still oh battling gosh. a bit with jet lag today. <laughs> My body is still sleeping at this time, I'll be honest. <laughs> well, but, we hope uh, you don't doze off here and then we'll just so <laughs> Shannon, Shannon kick you under the table. Yeah, we'll, we'll start calling you Dorothy. You know, so you just got back from Kansas. From Kansas. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> yes, yes. No, I, I think what's interesting is next week, um, there's been that whole case talking about pit bulls, uh, that whole dock fighting ring that was bust, huge ring that was bust by the SBCA. We've actually got Wendy in next week mm-hmm. who's coming to tell us all about it and we've got Jeanette Erasmus from uh, Underdogs and the Pitbull Federation of South Africa it's going to be a very very interesting well, show Well last week literally during our show mm. they were in court for it yes, and correct. that's why they couldn't speak about it Yes because the they didn't want to jeopardize the case So this really is going to be the first time they've sort of spoken correct. about it yes. so that's We're actually very fortunate very to big. have them both into studio 
uh, they both do incredible work. They really, really do. And then, of course, there was the big pit bull walk. Mm-hmm. I think it was two weekends ago. We're actually going to cover that in Canine Zone. There's a lot of people that, that honestly are fantastic owners for pit, uh, mm. for their pit bulls. And, and I think, again, Education, education, please don't just go out there and get a breed mm-hmm. without doing your homework. So true. It is very true. But today is obviously going to be filled with questions. Yes, Any questions we've got a lot through. of questions. I actually put on our Canines on Facebook wall yesterday and I said, if anybody wants some free veterinary or, or behaviorist <laughs> advice. So, but I, I first want to start uh, with Shannon. Shannon, so what is it that you do? Do you give puppy training? I see you've got the super pup training yeah. program. How important is puppy socialization? Sure. I, I actually can't, I can't understate mm. the importance of it. Um, you know, dogs have, and I, I like to actually, I kind of wish we could call puppy socialization something else. Yes. Because there's this sort of um, idea that it involves a puppy socializing with other puppies, playing, doing his thing just really having fun mm. um, for me I, I like to more I like to look at it more as a process of what I like to call domestication we're teaching a puppy that these are the things that are going to appear frequently throughout your life and before the age of four months they're in a sensitive period so where we can ex- years, yeah, right. we can expose them to those things that they're going to encounter throughout their life and they'll accept that they should accept those things as being part of the norm yes um, puppy classes are also great for owners to learn a little bit more about behavior what makes their puppy tick how they can manipulate their pup's behavior to get the best out of yes, them yes. and also to learn some basic obedience skills but all of those are only used um, in terms of being able to manage the the puppy better yes. you know a yes. typical complaint that owners have is that my puppy jumps up on me and it's it's human nature and I say to them well what do, what would you like your puppy to do instead of that and the standard response is not jump on me <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and it's it's teaching people that that's not how dogs think you can't ask a dog not to do something and leave this 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 chasm or this void. You have to say to the dog, "This is what I'd like you to do instead of." Okay. And so the easiest way, the yes, the easiest way to stop a pup from jumping up on you is this amazing thing we call a sit. Oh, I know, right? right? Yes, You'd rather make it sit because if it's bums on the floor, it, it can't, can't be jumping jump. on anyone. No, sure. And, you know, too many times the things that we teach in obedience classes or puppy classes, we tend to forget that we can use these things to enhance the way that we live the with our dogs, to make life easier for them and for us. So, so yes, sorry, I, I veered off there from your question. I run um, a training school. It's quite a large training school. We've got quite a few branches throughout Joburg and Pretoria. And we do puppy classes, obedience, agility, man work, tracking. It's it's a one-stop shop. So it's, you can it's really start great. with your puppy and then go all the way through. Absolutely. And there's yeah. nothing nice. I know that I used to work with my rotties. I miss them every day who passed on many years ago. But it's so wonderful to actually work with your dog. It is. The agility, the bond you form. It's, it's incredible. It's awesome. You know, I haven't had a puppy for, for quite a few years, and mm. I recently got um, a new pup at the beginning of this year. So I'm now going through the process of puppy class and yes. obedience, and it's so cool. It is cool. <laughs> I've forgotten how nice it, it is just to just to spend bond. this time with your yes. dog, and he's he's just so smart. Um, it, it's fantastic. Must be his handler, obviously. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Always is. Obviously. Well, I suppose, like, if you were to be a hairdresser and you have a bad hairdo, no one's going to trust you with their hair. Do you know, do you know so with your dog, it's the you know what thing. the problem is, and this is what, and it's it's like, I mean, I love my job, I love doing what I do, but with, in all honesty, in my off time, the last thing I want to do is train mm. dogs. <laughs> I'm sure. Okay, so my poor dogs, they get the lazy man's training, they really do, and they're all so good. I don't know how it's happened. But so much of it is also about your energy around the dogs. It may not be that you train them constantly, but Absolutely. how you react around you them. You know what? I, I honestly believe, and I've actually had this conversation with Dr. Ian Dunbar, who is the guru, absolute guru. And we, we had this, it was a very in- interesting discussion of a couple of beers and cigars. <laughs> Those um, are when the best ones I tell you, it was, it was <laughs> awesome. The real truth comes out then. But we, we, we decided between the two of us, the only two qualities an owner needs to have a really well-behaved dog is consistency and persistency. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. To be consistent in what you expect the dog to do and persistent in that if you ask the dog to do something and it blows you off, you say, I oh, know, bud, it's yeah, going to happen. You don't it's just let it Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And you, there's no need to be ugly about it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I always tell, it's a funny little story. I've, I've trained a lot of detection dogs. 
And one of the dogs that I trained uh, was trained to find cheetah scat, um, which field researchers then use. They analyze it, and it helps in, in the conservation of endangered species. And obviously the areas we're working are very wild, very remote areas. And we arrived at um, a location. We'd been in the car for five hours. The dog got out of the car. It's obviously not my dog. I trained him to do this. And this is a wild area. I mean, there's large carnivores around. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not safe. You stay in camp. And uh, we got out of the car, and this dog decided, no, he's, he's off for a little run. And his handler called him, and he did one of those glancing over his shoulder. <laughs> yeah, mm, not so me. much. Bye now. <laughs> yeah, that, that kind of like, laters, and he was off. I called him. He gave me the same look, and I was like, hell no. <laughs> and I marched off after this dog through the bush for about a kilometer and a half. I mean, this is a really scary place. There's flipping rhinos and elephants mm. and everything, but I was like, I called that dog. I called him. <laughs> Maybe if you hadn't and gone after him, you would have never seen him again. Well, I, I got hold of him, and I took him quite quite gently by his collar. I didn't yank him or anything, and I walked him back to where I had been standing when I called him, and he looked at me, and I said, good boy. Mm. To this day, anything I ask that dog to do, he complies straight away, and it's almost like you can imagine him. Yeah. Down. He's like, he looks at the other dogs and says, don't test that, auntie. She's mad. Yeah. She'll follow through. And that's really, I think, what it boils down to. You know, we all lead busy, busy lives, and I think what happens is dogs, they, they will push their luck mm. a little bit. I mean, that's one of the things we love about yes. them. And when people are, don't have that persistency, the dog goes, awesome. Yeah. Mm. Awesome. I can work with that. Well, yeah. Dr. Clint, how do you uh, deal with disciplining your animals in your home? You know, I also imagine someone who sees animals all day, you, when you come home, you, you're tired. You don't want to do the same thing again. <laughs> Discipline? <laughs> oh, okay. Great Danes. Can you use discipline and great dance oh, the same you, No, Zen works. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I must say I, I agree fully with Shannon. Um, the it's important to have, and when I, when I say discipline, it's not it's not authoritarianism yeah, time right, discipline, but it's right. you've got to have boundaries, and certain behaviors are acceptable, and certain behaviors aren't. And but again, you can't tell a dog not to do something. You need to divert that unacceptable behavior into yes, something else. Absolutely. Which is vitally, vitally it's important. It's actually interesting. We I got an article that's going in the. June issue of Canine Zone, written by Scotty Valadeo, talking about digging in the garden, which is really a lot of which people is a have this problem. Of something, yeah. and, and it was so interesting how she actually said you divert that energy. Yes. Just even if you provide them with their own digging box, that they know that that's a place where they can go and dig. And she explains why they dig. I mean, it's something that a dog does. They need absolutely, and and more so if they're frustrated or they're bored or, or um, something like that. But that was I just thought of that now. That's a classic case of diverted. You can yes. dig in that spot. That's okay. Yeah. You know, I think what, what's so important is we cannot get a dog and expect it not to be a dog. Mm. Yes. Um, and, you know, a lot of these behaviors, digging, chewing, those things, that, those are things that dogs that's do. That's what they do. So mm. our job as their guardians is to allow them to do it in a way that's not destructive to yes. the – well – not destructive to the, our environment the way we perceive it. A dog just looks at this hole that he's dug and thinks, wow, that was amazing. Yes. Do you think it um, could also be a symptom of boredom? Your dog's locked in yes. the back garden mm. all day. It's going to mm. do something Absolutely. with its time. You know? It's yeah. a very Absolutely. self-rewarding behavior. Yeah. I mean, you get, the dogs get so much satisfaction out of their dig. You know, it's nice, mm. cool soil. They find cool things there. That soil flies around all over the show. Yes. Yes. And uh, it, it is. It's very self-rewarding. And, and again, it's a difficult habit to break. So we break. shouldn't knock it till we've tried it is what you're saying. Digging. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Well, we should go and dig. Yeah, I, 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 I spend plenty of time in the so sand pit with my kids. I love digging in the sand with yeah. my kids. I think after we'll the show, there's this little okay. patch out there trying to we'll yeah. get in there. <laughs> <laughs> See what there we must can be something find. about it. <laughs> no, but you're absolutely right. I, I think a lot of people do think, oh, cute little puppy, bring it home. Everything's great. But, but it's like a child. You, you've got to raise it properly. You've got to, aside from taking care of its health and its nutrition, you also have to take care of its of its personality and it's you've got to keep it busy you've got to walk it you've got to take it to training absolutely um, there's nothing worse for me than people that get these dogs especially working dogs and they guard dogs and put them in the back garden and that's it but you see, that's critical to me and that's it. it's absolutely vital that veterinary clinics have a partnership with behavioral mm, specialists like yes. Shannon because uh, you know although we do get a degree at some Fair, fair amount of behavioral training is part of our veterinary degree. It's not our primary specialization. No, no. Mm-hmm. And although you can go and specialize in behavioral medicine as a post, postgraduate degree, 
um, it, it's also in a private practice setting very, very difficult to do. I mean, you just heard it takes persistence. Yes. It takes consistency. It takes time. And in a busy practice setting, you've got clients in and out, in and out. It's not something, it's not a, a full-blown service a veterinarian can right. offer you. And I mean, I know from my days in private practice, I've seen plenty of patients. Did you? And I was only too mm-hmm. glad yes, to do it. Absolutely. Yeah, uh, you know. thanks, thanks for that. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes <laughs> you see a little note up on the vet board or something for behaviors, but I, I don't know. I yeah, think vets it's, it's should critical. recommend it. Yeah. Well, Even if you've been around dogs your whole life, yes. you go to a puppy socialization class and you pick up things you didn't know mm. and mm. things that mm. you weren't aware of and extra little tips and tricks. And I find particularly puppy socialization classes that are attached to a veterinary practice. Right. Um, in, in whether it's a physical a relationship, yes. a geographic relationship, or at least a, a partnership, very often I find the behaviors will then introduce the puppies to the consultation room and the examination table and get them used to being handled as well. Right. That they, and then make that visit mm-hmm. to the vet a fun experience every time, which the vet then needs to build on with each subsequent visit that yes. he needs to reinforce that perception of the dog. And that, that is a very, very successful practice because it just, you get, your patients are easier to deal with. Yes. Yeah. I suppose the vet is always going to be the first point of call if there is a behavior problem. And you don't want that dog to land up at the SPCA because the owners can't take care of it. So why not refer to a behaviorist who can spend time with the dog? Yeah. Yes. I mean, the vet sees your dog for 15 minutes at most. Do you know what I'm saying? Well, for basic issues, I was always happy to dish out a little bit of advice, but, but you very quickly pick up when there's a deep rooted behavioral issue here that's going to need a bit of time and work and somebody who knows what they're doing and somebody who can devote the time to the dog as well as the owner. Yes. And we've said it here as well, you know, training the owners is as important as training the dog. And very often it's just a silly little misunderstanding between the owner and the dog where the owner just doesn't get why the dog is behaving the way it is. And And once they understand that, that's 70% of the work done. Yes. Mm-hmm. But Shannon, do you think, I, I certainly have seen being involved in dogs for many years. When I first got involved in my 20s, there weren't many dog behaviorists around. No. But today, I think a lot more people yeah. do actually see a behaviorist and, yeah. and are aware that this is something that can actually help you. Yeah. Look, it's an industry that um, in the last, uh, I'd probably say the last 20 to 15 years has just mm. it, um, uh, mushroomed, which is great because there is a really, really big call for it. You know, in the past, any sort of behavior issue would be dealt with by the trainer. And trainers train dogs. Behaviorists help with behavior therapy. You do have some people that overlap. And, you know, in most, in most countries, particularly in South Africa, to be a full-time behaviorist is not always financially viable. So they'll probably run yes. some sort of classes, you know, to, to, to supplement their so income. Just explain that again. So a trainer is going to train your dog to do the sit well, stay. The, the trainer, and I don't even like to use the word trainer. I yes. like to use the word instructor because okay. instructors don't train dogs. They train people how to train how dogs. How to handle the dog. Well, how to teach and their own dogs. A behaviorist. A behaviorist will go into and also normally sorry what happens with the instructors or the trainers is that the owner would bring the dog to them and there would be some sort of a group class where they're learning things on on it's normally a set syllabus so it would be stuff like learning to walk nicely on a lead sit lie down etc etc um you know and for people who just who want to do puppy classes they would go to a trainer or they want some basic obedience would go to a trainer if there's a problem at home which is unrelated to obedience, so for example, and this is where it gets a bit confusing, people think if their dog's digging holes in the garden, taking mm. it to obedience classes is going to fix that. Oh, no, it's not. Right. So that's the difference. You know, in an obedience class, there isn't a section no, of the class to dedicated to, to do yes. not dig. Yes. Yeah, it doesn't work like that. Right. Um, and you could have a dog that's brilliant in obedience class and he gets home and he digs holes. Yes, right. That's where a behaviorist and uh, would actually, in most cases, come into the home which is really ideal because then they get an idea of the context and yes, the circumstance the surrounding the problem. Yeah. It. Yes, and, so, and okay. help the owner. I've always wondered what the, the actual difference is. Yeah. But, but why do you think it is the case that more people are seeing behaviorists? Have our dogs developed more behavioral issues I think than I, they used to have? I, I think yes and no. I think our dogs have because our lives have changed mm. so much. You know, I look back on my childhood. I grew up, don't judge me, in Kempton Park. 
And um, yeah. I'm very close there. Oh uh, yeah, okay. Phew, <laughs> okay. And now I live on the West Rand. I tell you what, oh, out, of, <laughs> out of the frying pan into the fire. Um, and I remember coming home from school, doing my homework or, or pretending I'd done my homework, and mm. getting on my bicycle and going off with my buddies and a, just a bunch of dogs. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And it was actually no. And I look back at it, it was totally reckless. Mm. I mean, we just used to go across roads, and 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 nobody ever got hurt. It was amazing. Mm. Whereas now, our dogs live, and it's a symptom of the society we live in. Our dogs live behind these high walls. You have to actually, if you want to take your your dog for a walk out onto um, along your neighborhood street, it's it's not a pleasant experience. No, it's not at all. You have other dogs rushing up at the gate, going parks, crazy. Yeah, so I think that's why we are seeing more behavior problems with our dogs, and I think behaviorists are more common because we we saw more behavior problems and we learned more about dog behavior as well. Yes, it's funny you should mention that. Uh, in just a few moments, we're going to be speaking to a lady who we work closely with here at Cliff Central, who has a question for you because she was walking in the street and was approached by a vicious dog and now she's so afraid to walk in the street without yeah. protection yeah. that sh- she doesn't know what to do so we'll find out what to do in mm. those situations you know but I'd also like to find out what other animals you deal with is it strictly just dogs I mean if uh, my cat has behavior problems can I contact yeah, no, you cats I, we don't do I, I don't do cats spouses or kids <laughs> Okay. Yeah. That's, that's, yeah, okay. that's, that's a really short list. No, um, obviously specializing dogs. Over the years, I've also done a lot of animal wrangling, which is training for adverts oh, and commercials, yes. and I've worked with some other species there. Um, I've done a little bit of work with uh, some endangered species, um, some, some large carnivores, but primarily the dog yes, stuff. The dog that's, that's where my heart is, yeah. But uh, tell me, Dr. Clint, are we talking about dogs having more issues. I mean, we were saying earlier that they pick up energy. I think we have more issues. Stress is out yeah. of control. Yeah. We always well, in a rush. You know so what? dog's going to pick that up. Mm-hmm. Sharon, you know what's so interesting about that? The Super Pup program I run, it's, that's trainers across the country. And what happens as part of that program is every month the trainers um, uh, submit what we call a goals log. Mm. So these are now 20 behaviors we ask them to do with the puppies in their puppy groups. And then every month as the pups graduate, they send through the goals log and they say, right, these are the ones we achieve. These are the ones we don't achieve. And that data is amazing because you get to see across the country what's happening. And the, the, the region that often comes short on the socially acceptable behavior towards dogs and people, Gauteng. Oh, really? Yeah, Cape Town and Durban pups are super chilled. Apparently, well, they can go down uh, to the beach for a run. Doesn't Gauteng have the largest pet population, though? Hey, as far well, as I understand, as far as yes, we definitely do. Mm. But also because I think because of the beach, you get um, in those two locations I mentioned, you get people taking their yes, dogs. Yes, they can get out. It's mm. it's it's, it's a huge dog park, yeah. so mm. to speak. Mm-hmm. Whereas in Joburg and Pretoria, we, we don't. Yeah, yeah, we've got a handful, That's and they're it. not. They could be great places, but unfortunately, too many people use them incorrectly. Mm. The dog has no stimulation during the week. Then on a Sunday, they feel bad. They chuck the dog in the back of the bucky. They get to the dog park. The dog's going out of its skull with excitement, mm. and they just open the bucky, and the dog leaves the bucky in this heightened, heightened right. state. Yes, I've seen that. And runs around and bullies other dogs yes. for the next two hours. Well, <laughs> I mean, Dr. Clint, you see a lot of dogs in your rooms. Do dogs who don't get to go on walks have more problems than dogs that regularly get, get to go out and see the world? Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Um, and I think part of the problem is that we we live in a world of instant gratification as well. Mm. You know, nobody's got the time or, and, and in a lot of cases, the willingness to put in the effort yes. it takes to training up a dog. But also our housing patterns have changed. You know, yes. we all live high in walls, high wall security states yeah. and also more people are working. So, mm. you know, whereas before there might have been at least one person at, at home. home with the dog yes. during the day to Correct. provide some kind of stimulation or at least let the dog into the house, get a bit of human interaction. Now both parents are working, kids are away at school. So you come home, this dog has seen nobody the whole right. day. Goes right. absolutely bananas because he's so excited to see everybody. Um, so, yes, there definitely has been an, an upswing of behavioral issues. Okay, and also I think issues. there's more recognition. Of it these days, and more yes. acknowledgement yes. of yes. behavioural so. issues. People are, are becoming more aware. They definitely are. I, I mean, even you know, with, with health conditions, I think in a lot of ways we've almost stamped out things like distemper because of vaccinations. Correct. Yeah. Um, but are you seeing other health issues that's that are more prevalent? Do you get stressed dogs? 
You do. Depressed uh, you dogs? You do. Yeah. I mean, separation anxiety yeah. is a big one. Yeah. Mm. Um, and that's probably the most common cause of destructive behavior in dogs yes. during the day when everybody's away from work, uh, away at work. And um, the other disease we see a lot more commonly in dogs is diabetes. And it's directly oh. as a result of their sedentary lifestyle yes. and getting fed the incorrect diets. Right. Getting fed so off getting of our plates. Right. Yeah. And exactly. obesity. Obesity, obesity goes hand in hand with diabetes in dogs. And I think it's almost like with children, like Shannon said earlier, you work all day, all week, you don't see your dog on a Sunday. Well, let's go to Walkhaven. Yes. Uh, quickly, you know, go and get that sort of guilt taken yeah. off your shoulders. And, and let's give treats. You know, it's like the the parent buying the kids all the toys Mm. in the world but not spending time with it. Well, guys, we have Marcel on the line. Uh, Marcel, are you there? Yes, I am. Hi, Hi, Marcel. Welcome to the show. Now, won't you just begin with telling us your your harrowing tale of what happened to you? (laughs) It was rather harrowing, I must admit. Um, I just decided late afternoon, let's go for a walk just around the area in which I live. Um, I know there are a lot of dogs, I do this frequently, um, and I went around the corner and saw an, a, a dog just running around on the road, <coughs> Excuse me, but there was, uh, I thought at the time, was his owner sort of cleaning out his car, also on the verge, and I stopped, I looked at this dog, the dog wagged his tail at me and pretty much ignored me, so I felt like, okay, I'll, I'll walk on, which I did. I've taken 10 steps, and honestly, this was a silent but violent attack, honestly. Um, from the other side of the car, and I didn't see this dog until it had emerged from the back of the car, um, a, a dog, just with no warning, no barking, no growling, just charged me. He came out of the yard, the gate was slightly ajar, and um, he came around, he jumped up as if, you know, teeth bared, no noise, silent, silent dog. Teeth bared, and um, I sort of put my arm up to protect my face and knocked him down. He ran around, bit my leg quite badly, turned back and ran straight into the yard. And I, uh, this happened in the space of 30 seconds. I had no time to think, really. Mm. The, the guy cleaning the car didn't even see it happen. Well, um, um, let's see, maybe uh, Shannon or Sharon, I know you yeah, know a lot about dogs. It's actually a good do idea do? to ask Shannon this. You know, a lot of people take their dogs for a walk. I know we have had problems with that with our own dogs, where dogs do get out of gates yeah. and mm. will attack the dog that you're walking. What is the best way of dealing with that? I know what we sometimes do is use a taser, not, yes. not to yeah. use it, but the sound. Yeah. Just Clicking their taser scares them away. What is the best thing to do? You know, it's such a horrible situation. And Marcel, I'm sorry to, to hear your story. That's, that's incredibly traumatic. I mean, you know, I've, I've been bitten by dogs before in the line of duty. Um, yeah. so I think as, as, as a person just taking a walk down the street and that happens to you, it's, it's really, really, uh, traumatic. So, so my, my sympathies to you on that. Um, you know, it's a tough one, and I, I think in a situation like that, this dog that 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 attacked you definitely sounds like a fear type of aggressive kind of dog. You know, those are the ones that will run out, do their thing, and then turn around and run back, um, which doesn't obviously doesn't forgive it. But you know, I I actually don't take my dogs for walks on on the road. I just don't mm. do it. Too many people leave their gates open, um, or you, you know, it's I've actually had once before going to speak to my neighbour about something, and as he came walking down, he hadn't closed his gate properly, and his eighty kilogram burble came running out, charging mm. for me. Fortunately, knowing what I know, I just stood there and pretended to be seriously unimpressed by the dog who actually bumped into me. Um, and I just carried on standing there. My, my boyfriend at this point, I'd like to point out, had climbed over the fence. Mm. Yes. Mm. Um, sure. uh, sorry, did I say ex-boyfriend? Yes, ex-boyfriend. Yes. <laughs> okay. Um, Quick but, thinking on yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. But, um, you know, most people are going to react and put their hand up as you did. That's an instinctive reaction. And often that will elicit a bite from the dog. Um, you know, the best thing to do is to actually stand and, and we, we do this with young kids that we, we teach how to behave around dogs is to be a tree. 
is to just stand still. Um, I don't know why they call it be a tree because you don't stick your arms out sideways. You just, you should, should be, be a pillar more than anything else. But any kind of sudden movement then is probably going to elicit a bite from the dog. Um, so that's the best way. And to be perfectly honest with you, um, I would actually, as Sharon was saying, I would walk with a taser or something like that. Even a little can of, of, of pepper spray could be okay, but the taser is nice in that a lot of the time just that noise is going to be enough for the dog to go, oh, not interested. Mm-hmm. And there's no harm actually done. Um, and, and the pepper spray, you know, a friend of mine was, um, cycling with her dog and a dog came rushing out again, gate was left open and actually got hold of her dog. She emptied a canister of pepper spray onto this other oh, dog weird. and nothing happened. So, yeah. Um, but you know, yeah, look, look, you know, and, and with regards to this particular dog, um, the owner is a hundred percent liable for what happened there. A hundred percent. Yeah. Look, the, the owner was. Mm. Obviously, my dog's never done something like this before. Yeah. Or, you know, and I'm standing there in a pool of blood, you know, and and um, um, he's taken responsibility. Okay. Obviously, well, he great. has, and he's paid the medical bills, and he's been concerned and called me up and so oh, forth. But nice. yes, it's. It's a scary thing to go take a walk now, you know. Yeah. So, well, um, I, I would imagine, like you say, the owner is the one who's the most surprised because he's never seen his dog react like this towards another human. So what, I, I mean, I'm sure a lot of us find ourselves in that situation the moment we open our gate, the mm-hmm. dog bolts. Mm-hmm. How do you control that? Well, again, like we were saying earlier on, what do we want the, the dog to do instead of bolt? Mm, diversion. Yes. Exactly. Okay. Um, and there's a number of different things you can do. You know, I always advise people from puppyhood, every time... Ideally, you don't want your dog to have access to your driveway, just from a safety perspective. But if that's unavoidable, from early puppyhood, as you open that gate, before the gate even starts opening, you take a handful, and you can even use the dog's food pellets, and you scatter them in the grass adjacent to the driveway. And you'll see that after a very short time, obviously put, uh, repeat the process when you come home. So just have a little Tupperware in the car with the, with the pellets in that. You can actually get out the car, chuck them out the gates, off to the side. So you can open and close with the dog being off your, your path of travel. For his yeah. okay. And it gets to the point where they will hear the gates start opening and no matter where they are on the property, they run to that little section and they sit there waiting That's expectantly. Brilliant. That's a brilliant idea. That's very, so clever. Yeah. And it, it beats getting out of the car and shouting and Absolutely. maybe slapping <laughs> the dog. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, Do you know, d- sorry, just to, uh, John, another thing that causes so many problems is Dogs are, are, they really are creatures of habit. And once you've exposed a dog to something, you can, he's not going to forget it. Um, and people will often take their dogs for walks by walking their dog over the threshold of their property. They open the gate and they walk the dog out. Mm-hmm. The dog then has a great walk. He sniffs, he pees, he does whatever he needs to do. So they're teaching the dog that just outside this gate, lies this amazing world. Mm. My advice to people is don't walk your dog in neighborhood streets. It's not safe. And it teaches them to actually run out of your gate. Mm. My advice is put your dog in the car, drive him to a park, and have a walk with him there. Put him back in the car. So you're addressing a number of things there. You're addressing car travel. You're you're ending up in a situation where even if your gate is open, the dog's probably not going to cross the threshold because he's never he's gone never over gone on there. foot. Ah. Yeah, he's only ever gone out that in the car. Interesting. Um, I've had this situation with my dogs. I've had someone's left my gates open. I have Great Danes. I, I, I live um, in a uh, sort of an agricultural area. I've had horses cantering down the road. Now you can imagine. If mm, Great Danes mm. decide to chase horses, someone's going to get hurt. Yeah, yeah. No, for sure. And well. four Great Danes standing there, gate wide open, and none of their toes even touching the gate track. And it's mm. almost like that, that, that they're like, no, this is voodoo. You just yes. don't do that. <laughs> okay. Well, Marcel, I, I'm really sorry that you had such a terrible experience. Uh, but like you, like Shannon says, just stand like a tree the next time it happens. <laughs> yeah, and it's, it really does work. I promise you. You you will lose about 30 kilograms in sweat. Uh, well, but, um, stand it's, like a tree. It's, it's very effective. It really is. Uh, thank you, Shannon. Thank, thank you, Donna. You. Thanks, Marcel. Right. Okay. Well, we thank had you. another. I put out there a couple of questions uh, on Canine Zone. Yes, and one of the questions that came in that I think you can both uh, help me with is dog poisoning. Uh, it's it's been doing the rounds. I'm sure. From a veterinary perspective, you see it quite often. So I want to ask you, Dr. Clint, 
what are the symptoms, what is the treatment, is there anything you can do at home before you actually get your dog to the vet. And from Shannon, I wanted to find out from you, is there a way you can train your dog not to eat? I, I believe it's sausages with, with poison inside. How can you train your dog not to go there in the first place? I think if we just start off a little bit of a background on the most common poison used is a agricultural pesticide called Temic or, or Eldicarb. Now, Temic was voluntarily withdrawn from the market probably four years ago already um, by the company that manufactures it because of this particular issue. Um, but there's still a lot of it floating around, and it unfortunately gets sold, as you've all heard the term, two-step. Mm. Um, it gets sold as a rat poison. And oh. Temic or Eldicarb is very similar in mode of action to organophosphates, but where organophosphates bind irreversibly to the to the receptors, the, the Temic or the Eldicarb binds reversibly, so it can be reversed to a certain extent. And what these things tend to do is they tend to bind to the acetylcholine receptors, so they cause a permanent de- depolarization of the muscle um, and, and causes a paralysis that way. And what tends to happen is that the, the symptoms you'll see generally are dogs become a little bit unsteady. Sometimes their pupils are dilated. They tend to drool a lot. Is it quick acting? It's very quick. Very quick. Um, and you can generally, you can just immediately see something's not right with these dogs. And there, there is literally not much you can do at home. Um, the, the, the remedy for these dogs is atropine. And so you need to get them to a vet, and time is really of the essence because the stuff is now in the gut. It's being actively absorbed. Mm-hmm. So the sooner you get them to the vet, the sooner we can get some atropine in there, which counteracts the effects of the aldicarb, and the vet can at least administer um, an adsorbent such as activated charcoal or something like that just to bind okay. whatever toxins are right. in the stomach. But I wouldn't advise messing around with activated charcoal at home before you go to the vet because the first thing that dog needs is atropine. Um, and I always advise clients in Shannon Climbing Years, my dogs sleep inside at night. I'm also in an mm, agricultural yeah, area. They are, they are a better deterrent inside, inside the house than they are outside. Um, and then they can't be poisoned. Um, yes. Particularly look around for symptoms. You'll often find the dogs will often vomit as a result of ingestion of the toxin. And you'll often Is find these the black. Sign? Yeah, so if you can, just collect some of the vomit and bring it along to the vet as gross it's as like it little is. Black granules, little black granules. Little. Often you'll find remains of the of the sausage mm. that they've put the stuff in where they've chucked it over the fence. It is unfortunately used as a a prelude to burgling to houses, crime. I'm afraid. Right. Yeah, they right. do unfortunately poison the dogs well, to get I, rid I of them. I can't imagine a human being doing it for any other reason than to, I mean, would they just do it to be... You, to you, be that person. you do get people who will do that with noisy dogs. Mm. If their neighbours have noisy dogs, mm. um, there was there was recently that that huge debacle on Facebook with some some lady making some comment about how she was going to poison oh. her neighbour's dog. I mean, mm. wow. Oh. There's there's many ways to address this so problem. The best thing is is if your dog is throwing up, see if you can collect some of that quickly. Get to the vet. And, and they will know what to do there. What is the recovery rate? Uh, I mean, I've heard of so many that have died. They do. Um, it, the recovery is fairly quick. If you get them to the vet quick enough and you get the atropine into them, um, and then you need to keep them atropinized for quite a while, um, some dogs need to go on to a ventilator. Is that a drip rep- that they put them on? Well, no. Well, uh, there's a number of treatment yes. regimens okay. that you can use, but whether the atropine goes intravenously or subcutaneously, however, you just yes. got to get the stuff into the dog. But and when then they you say quick, so from ingestion, how long do you have? Yes, it depends on, on a number of things, how much they ate, um, oh, the right. size of the dog, uh, and how much poison they actually got in at yes. the time. So, but the, but it it's not... It's not something that you can really mistake for anything else. I mean, you really mm. see this dog is, he's not just vomiting. He's not just mm. sick. He's unsteady. He's drooling. He's steering off into space. He's, he's not happy. Or he or mm. she's not happy. It's terrible. Just bomb them in the car, take them yes. straight to the vet, uh, and rather safe than sorry. And, mm. and they would have a good chance of survival if, with the right treatment quickly? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. With, with, I, I find that the rate, the, the recovery rate from, Chemic poisoning is a lot better than from pure organophosphate toxicity. And a lot of dogs that get uh, organophosphate toxicity have to go into ventilators for a while because Goodness. obviously because that um, organophosphate binds irreversibly to the acetylcholine receptors, you need to wait for the body to manually process yes. these receptors and get them out of the system and often they'll require ventilatory support mm-hmm. but I find with Eldicob you just keep them atropinized for a while sometimes they do re- they re- usually need a few days in hospital that yes, they can be monitored recover. and sometimes some adjunctive therapy some dogs develop a residual muscle tremor afterwards that needs to be treated oh. for a while 
but they do the, the recovery rate is quite good if they treat it in time oh, that's that's good news but i mean as you say keep your dogs inside but i do that with mine but in the morning um we spoke about a lady a few weeks ago she'd come home from an event went to have a shower led her dogs outside by the time she let them in, they were all three showing these oh, symptoms, wow. and they all three died. Yeah. So, That's terrible. You, know, you keep them inside. Should you inspect your property first in the morning? Yeah. To see if I think the sad reality is it. if someone is out there to poison your dog, uh, yeah. you know, it's scary. Unless your dog is trained not to take food from strangers. Now, can you do that? Yes. yes. Do you know this, this is a, it's, it's a really, really tricky thing to do. Um, again, you know, what, what do we want the dog to do? Not take food. So what's the alternative? Not mm. take food. Mm. <laughs> you know, you can't train the dog to do something instead of taking food. Yes. Um, it is possible to poison proof dogs, but the methods that you've got to use are so harsh. They're oh, so really? extreme. I don't know if it's actually worth it, right. to be quite honest. Yeah, I can um, imagine. How would you mm, yeah. teach them You would have to withhold to food maybe or do mm. funny things with food that may it may develop a bad relationship with food. Yeah. Well, no, what you would normally do, and this is one of the things, you would actually use, you know, we've, we've learned so much about learning theory. Um, one of the things that happens when you use punishers is you get fear of things in the environment at the time the punishment was administered. And this would be one of the situations where um, – you would put a shock collar on the dog oh. and you would actually set up a sting op- operation. You put bait around the guard mm-hmm. and the dog goes to investigate and you zap them. Frankly, I'm not prepared to do that so to no. a dog. The solution no. would be sleep with your dogs inside, yes. if not in your bedroom, in the kitchen, wherever it is. Absolutely. Mm. And also you say don't allow your dogs to have access to your driveway. That's a big well, thing. Well, yeah, yes. that's a big thing. And, you know, also just stay in touch with what's going on in your community because these things don't happen in isolation. In isolation. Mm. Yeah, yeah you, you know, if someone's dogs have been poisoned or sus- suspected, yeah. then be on extra, yes. you know, be extra vigilant. Right. Um, you mentioned vigilance. If you see weird objects outside your house, yeah. Perhaps a bottle that wasn't mm, there that morning, yep, something yep. like that. Those are all Absolutely. markers that yeah. they use. Yes. And, and, you know, it's also worth mentioning um, that, that dog owners must know who to contact during mm. after hours. Yes, Too many that dog owners, a, that's a good question. I they was will, just thinking they'll contact that. their normal vets and normally p- these poisonings happen outside mm. of normal hours yeah. and then they get upset because they can't c- contact the vets. You know, vets are great, but they haven't figured out how to do this 24-7 thing yet. <laughs> mm. <laughs> um and there are some some big all hours vets in Johannesburg. You know, don't waste time now phoning around. Know the details of know where to go. One. Know the closest one. Yes, um, because those that that extra half an hour it takes you to to find out. Oh, okay, I should be going here. That could mm. be the half hour that saves your dog's life. So know who that vet is, yeah. where they are based. Yes, can get the find quick out quick. where the all hours vets just are. Just from a human aspect, obviously, if your dog has just been poisoned, you do need to be wary of yourself. Someone. Is around your property who has poisoned your mm. dog for some this reason. This is true. Right? Yeah. So don't just focus on getting out there, getting the dog first. Make sure you are also safe. You yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah, this is, and, and you know, unfortunately, and this is where it, it's, it's such a heinous thing that they do because they rely on the fact that people are going to be emotionally upset mm. now. Um, mm. It's just horrid. Absolutely yeah, horrid. It is terrible. It is absolutely terrible. We've actually got uh, a chappy here, uh, Brad, uh, going back on the walking with dogs. He was saying he was walking his three huskies. His huskies pushed in front of him to protect him uh, I stood my ground, moved my dogs back and then advanced slowly towards the dog until the owner took him back inside mm. but uh, again, I mean that's that's fantastic that, that his own huskies didn't react to the mm. other dogs coming mm. towards him now another question that we, we got in here was dogs in cold weather and whether dogs can get physically ill from cold weather, uh, the gentleman Harry Scott says that his dog every year during winter gets pneumonia Dr. Clinton, is that possible? Can dogs catch colds and flus just like we do? Uh, look, I mean, physiologically, they're very similar to humans, so it is possible. There's two camps or two schools of thought when it comes to, let's say, cold weather causing sickness in humans. <coughs> you know, they um, one camp will tell you, yes, the cold air will make you sick, whereas the other camp, camp says, well, it's not the cold air that makes you sick, it's the temporary suppression in your immunity right, due the, to that cold air that allows you then to become sick. And the same things apply to dogs. But it doesn't just apply to respiratory illnesses. If you do have a dog that is predisposed to respiratory issues and you take him into cold air, that sudden change in temperature is going to cause some issues. But uh, cold weather with dogs with chronic osteoarthritis, dogs with hip dysplasia, Mm. elbow dysplasia, um, you know, it's going to, uh, just like any human being whose joints get sore when it's cold, uh, it's going to affect them adversely as well. And do we get cold enough here for them to get, was it hypothermia? 
Can that happen? I think a, possibly a, a small dog that's left outside yes. and joving all the night with no access to shelter whatsoever quite easily. Well, really? Speaking of small dogs, I know a lot of people like to get their dog's jerseys, but I mm. actually heard from my biology teacher, in fact, that their fur is designed in such a way as to sort of deflect the wind. So the moment you put a jersey over them, it sort of takes away that function of the hair. Would you say that's accurate? Yeah, look, if you look at your own, um, when, the hair on your own arm, if you get what you call goosebumps, and that's actually the, actually those piloerector muscles in the hair follicles that are erecting the hairs on your arm, and that actually traps a layer of air, supposed to trap a layer of air yes. against the skin, which acts as a form of insulation. And obviously, dogs and cats having fur are a lot more adept at that particular issue. So, you know, if a dog is, if a dog has got a thick coat, and you now you're talking, Dogs, if if dogs had not evolved into what they are today, in other words, had human beings not applied artificial selection pressure to evolve into all the various dog breeds we got to say, I'd say yes, let nature yes, do what yes. it does best. Mm. But unfortunately, you know, yeah, um, the fifis of the world with mm. little blankets on and I mean, a husky and shivering. would probably cope outside mm. in the yeah. freezing cold, you know, but some not dogs a little just, fox terrier they, or something. They like don't that. cope absolutely. Yeah. No. So, and again, even. Dogs within the same breed will have variant, various susceptibilities to cold. Yeah. But you can yeah. see when your dog is shivering. You, you can tell when it's cold. Mm. It's very obvious, eh? I, I would say so, but shivering is not always necessarily a sign of cold. And dogs mm. can shiver when they're nauseous. Dogs can shiver when they're scared. Yes, nerves. So, um, but, but yeah, generally, I, I think you, you look for that heat-seeking behavior. Mm. When, when dogs are, yeah. when dogs are called, they'll always want to come and burrow in somewhere or sort of burrow yes, into your legs or, yes. and that, that's possibly a sign that they're cold. I, I've always had large dogs and even, you know, with the, we've had the odd rescue here and then small dogs. I've never really put jerseys on my dogs because it's never really been necessary. Yes. No, I think as long but as they've got a warm place to sleep mm. out of, if I always say, preferably inside during mm. the very, very cold yeah. winter. Yeah. I can't bear the thought of yeah. doggies sitting outside an icy the cold issue I have with German, I, I don't have an issue with, with, with jerseys when it's cold, but mm. the problem is particularly now at this time of year, we've got cold nights and we've got mm. hot very days. Hot yeah. days. Yeah. And that jersey yes. is going That's to true. inhibit the dog's ability to thermoregulate. Mm. Remember, dogs have got a lot of mechanisms which they use to thermoregulate their body temperature from panting to um, sweating on their foot pads and on their nasal planum. Yes. Um, and if you're going to put a jersey on them, you, uh, there's, there's obviously another method of dogs use is called um, you know, body heat radiation. So they literally just radiate the heat off their bodies. And if you're going to put a jersey on them, it's going to trap all that heat. So if it does get hot and they're out in the oh, sun, the dog can't pull this jersey off. Yes. You can overheat them. Yeah. And that's why I'm a little bit wary. You can't just jerseys. leave it on the whole of winter. No. No. It has to be a daily no. thing. No. How cold is it today? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And if mm. necessary, put it on at night, but take it off during the day. Our wind, even up here on the half held, our days are not that cold. Are not that cold. That a dog no, needs to have a, have a jersey on. Absolutely. Before we run out of time, there was a chappy here. Uh, well, he's, his name is Just Me. He says, have you guys seen the picture of the guy going around in four ways? Um, with a chain going through his dog's mouth and it was chained to the back of the bucky. Well, I haven't seen it, but just me, if you I see that see again, yeah. please, please take a picture of the number plate of this vehicle and report it to the SBCA. I actually saw that on Facebook this morning. Really? It looks like it's, it's going viral there. So oh, is it? Yeah. Um, that's, I, that's exactly what it's about, I'm not sure. So someone's already called that in. It looks like it, yeah. Hopefully, hopefully. Yeah. Oh, no, no, I'm glad I haven't seen that. Um, and we've got so much more to talk about. I mean, we've got Brad again that's asking what um, Shannon's thoughts are on Caesar Milan's training methods, yeah. which we'll probably take up an entire yeah. hour. We yeah. need to get One to that. One day when we have a Caesar <laughs> join us via Skype, uh. I know Sharon's <laughs> going to hook that up for us. Then we'll we'll ask him that. And no, uh, look, he, his methods are very, very controversial. And um, we'll bring uh, Shannon back just to... I, I think we need to do that. Yeah. We'll definitely bring you back in, Shannon. That'd be great. But and I think course, we've, uh, yeah, we've kind of run out of time already. Uh, Dr. Yeah, Clintz, uh, I'm sure we'll see you within the next month or so. Yes. Definitely. First yeah. Wednesday of every month. So if there's any questions, do get them through. Absolutely, because we still have a question on anal glands. So I think we must Oh, no, we that. missed the I'm anal so glands so question. So sorry, I don't know if I'm happy or sad about it. <laughs> I know, and then also what you'd mentioned was the, I can't pronounce this, the beetle? 
Oh, the Spiro Circulupi. That's him. That we need to divide and devote an entire show mm. to. That's, mm, that's okay. an important, particularly up here on the Highveld. That's mm. something we need to talk about. I didn't even know it existed until we actually did an article in Canine mm. Zone about it, and it's scary. Well, if, Shannon, if Sharon didn't know about it, yeah. then nobody knows it's about scary. it. So, yeah. How do you pronounce it again? Spiro Circulupi. That's the name of the worm. The dung beetle is the intermediate host for the worm. Okay. So we, we're going to have to devote the entire hour to that, and Shannon will definitely bring you back to Great talk stuff. more Thank about you. various training methods and, and everything else. I think we've run out of time, so join us next week for our um, interview with SBCA about mm, the dog fighting. It's going to be a tough one. It's, it's going to be a tough one. It's going to be an interesting one. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, we'll be back then. Thank you so Trip much for joining Central. us. Dot com.